Well, welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And I got to tell you, I am so excited about today's guest, who is an icon in the industry. He's not only a musician, he's a comedian. He's also an actor, and an actor who's got such a long list of credits, it's almost too long to even try to go through. But he's also now become a cannabis farmer, and I am so happy to have him with me today. Please welcome Mr. Jim Belushi. Thanks so much, Jim, for being here today, my friend. Hey, Monta, thank you so much, man. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. It's been a while, my friend, and thank you so much. It's really good to see you, too. I, I was absolutely blown away and, and excited when I heard that you decided to become a part of this industry. And you're not just a part of this industry like a lot of other people who have gotten involved and just lend their name to people. You literally stepped up to the plate, bought a farm and said, let me get in, get my hands dirty. Let me figure this thing out from the ground up. What made you want to get involved in the cannabis industry? You know what? It was it was it was like everything in my life, an accident. You know, uh, the, uh, well, the divorces weren't accidents, but the meetings <laughs> were. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I bought this little place in Southern Oregon on the Rogue River. It was an old Elks picnic grounds, and it had eighteen hundred feet of riverfront. It was just, it is just gorgeous. Wow. And it's right between Table Rock and Mount McLaughlin. And the Native Americans were in that spot before we chased them out. I don't want to go into that. But it, it's, it's a very spiritual spot. I even built a sweat lodge. I had these Native Americans build a sweat lodge for me. And uh, they didn't charge me, by the way, because they can't charge the spiritual work. But they sell me the wood. So it worked out okay. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, okay. I'm sure you the farm came up behind me. It was 80 acres, so I bought it. And I thought, wow, now I got 90 acres on the river. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, cannabis became illegal that year. And I thought, wow, that's the new agriculture for Oregon. So I started growing cannabis. And the journey that this has led me on personally is... It's just a beautiful, beautiful journey. I've been really enjoying it. And so we, you know, you always bring what you have with you. So I brought some cameras and started filming it. And we developed this wow. show called Growing Belushi on Discovery on Wednesday nights. And it's, 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 it's not a stoner show. It is about our industry. It is about growing. It is about the medicine. And it's funny, and there's music, and it's like this Hollywood guy in the middle of a farm not knowing what to do, you know. And so, no, I'm in the soil. I, You know, I'm mixing the perlite. I'm making sure there's drainage. You know, I, I'm making sure the temperature of the soil is 64 degrees in order for the micronutrients to go into the roots better. I am Elmer Fudd and Bill Murray. I am a farmer. I am chasing gophers, digger squirrels, aphids, russet mites. I see a grasshopper, and I'm like, you know, what's the matter with you tonight, honey? Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. What did, what did your friends or peers or family think about your decision? Well, that's in the first episode, actually, that aired last week. They actually, uh, it's a funny scene. They did an intervention. Oh, no. We're very concerned about you becoming a cannabis farmer. And then my daughter steps up and says, 
hey, you know, we all know Jim has bad ideas that he'll never admit to, but I think this is a good one. I think he's got a special connection to it. His brother, John, think about it. And it's true that in every county that a dispensary has been in, the opiate rates have gone down, opiate overdoses have gone down 25%. I think this is great purpose, and I think this is really good for that. Only one that supported me in the show. Well, there you go. We'll give her a big prop for that. But, you know, I mean, I can tell you something. You know, this is an industry that is still in a state of flux. And COVID has really thrown it into a little bit more of a state of flux. And also know in Oregon, you've got quite a lot of, a lot of competition. Now, you personally go out and visit some of the dispensaries that your products are carried in, correct? I personally what? Visit some of the dispensaries that your products are carried in, right? I am such a nerd, man. My cousin Chris and I load up a Ford Explorer with, with like 50 pounds of cannabis and pre-rolls. And we have a map, you know, the Google map. And we travel and we drop them off. I take pictures of the dispensary, you know, blood tenders and people. And I'm having a ball. And I can't believe we're driving around without a spot legally. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. Now, I mean, let's, let's back up and talk a little bit about how now you had to hire on a staff that understands the whole process. So let's go back to the first day. So first you decided to plant a field, but then once you get to your first harvest, what was that all about? How was that? Well, uh, Danny Aykroyd, you know, uh, has a friend. His name is Captain Jack. And uh, Captain Jack in 71 and 72 went to the mountains of Masar Sharif in Afghanistan. And the elders in that village gave him some seeds because he worked the farms there. And he's been growing that seed from seed to flower for 40 years. So it's a perfect land race uh, seed. And he knew Danny. He was he used to hang out backstage at Saturday Night Live in those early days. And he was... He was basically the weed dealer for those guys. And he had a nickname, the smell of SNL. <laughs> and Danny said, it's one of the most creative strains, you know. He goes, oh, Jimmy, if you're going to grow a farm, uh, you should talk to Captain Jack. So I got Captain Jack to the farm. And then another guy, Jeffrey Iverson, is a great uh, geneticist with a mentor in San Francisco. And he grows in Bend, really nice sativa, very, very full um terpenes he's big on the terpenes which i am too because i think himself out. and so the two of them and we started the 48 plant grow and then we've just been going we got the license and we've just been going since then and what kind of products are you are you developing out right now you have pre-rolls you said and you clearly are probably selling in quantity ounces and those kinds of things what well, are you doing any you extracts know, it, 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 it's not a scaled up place it's a boutique farm i mean i'm only growing maybe 1200 pounds so all our pre-rolls are all flour uh there's no trim in it um so it's made from you know uh bee buds so it's handcrafted it's all hand rolled i mean with the knock box and everything but uh so we're you know we're we just got a big order it's like oh we got to get these things done by you know seven days we got so we're in 50 dispensaries. I'm not in 500. I'm just like a, you know, like a Napa Valley wine guy that just makes a certain amount of wine. 
uh, because I really want to perfect it and understand it before I start expanding. And so I've studied it from seed to patient for these last four years. But I do have a Captain Jack Oil. It's going to be coming out in Oregon late September with Select. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Are you thinking in terms of using your cachet to help in the political arena of this movement? You know, because well, I thought, yeah, the, the movement I, needs yeah, a lot of help. I've, I, I've been asked to speak at, uh, you know, government things. I, I don't. Uh, I do it in a little bit of a different way. One way is this show, I think, will help move the political needle a little bit by creating an understanding and the safety that's around cannabis. Like I said, this is not a stoner show. This is about our industry. Uh, and we show the testing and how it's grown, the music we play for the plants, the, the, the natural ingredients that are put in, the pHing of the water, the curing it. It's, it's a safe product and you must go through dispensaries because the regulations are very good uh so i think politically i'm trying to move you know the red and the blue people all have one thing in common medicine health so i'm trying to move it forward in that way uh just exposing an audience through a regular guy learning about it on the show and they will learn about it and feel safe i think safety is a big thing and we'll create more understanding. Maybe they'll be able to help their relatives, their 80-year-old, 84-year-old mom who's, you know, flirting with dementia and getting aggravated and maybe a, a little piece of chocolate calms her down all the way to PTSD or, or opiates usage, you know. And the other political thing that I'm involved with is Last Prisoners Project with Steve yes. D'Angelo. Well, I, you know, I'm very much involved in that project also. As a matter of fact, we were working really hard at uh, helping to get, you know, this man uh, 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 out of prison in Wisconsin Michael right Thompson, now. Yes, I, I, we got a, I got an uh, email from Steve yesterday that uh, the state's attorney in Michigan is hip to it and he's writing a letter. And Yeah, well, well you know, what ended up happening is we sent a letter to the uh, attorney general in Wisconsin and... I was the only person that she responded to and sent an email back out to us. And now we've been really, really, really working with uh, D'Angelo and crew and, and working to help get this to get it done, man. It's been crazy. But it's going to take activists like yourself or activists like myself to really get out there and, you know, take take that step of faith and put the name out there and say, look, we got to really relook this. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's 40,000 people you know, incarcerating the United States alone, you know, uh, yes. I mean, and doing, you know, uh, what I'm, I'm, me and my cousin are driving 50 pounds of cannabis and Michael Thompson is in jail from 40 to 60 years for three pounds, you know, and now he's got COVID and he's in the hospital and it's like, you know, it shouldn't be a death sentence being arrested for cannabis. Well, I mean, come on now, now that we have 37 states, and the District of Columbia that have legalized, it is ridiculous that we have not just gone ahead and overturned these draconian laws. How can you put a person in jail today or yesterday that you are allowing to make money today? And, you know, I mean, which is, which is just an absurd argument. And, and, you know, I don't know, you know, you don't, I'm sure you know this, but, you know, this is not something that should even still be illegal, even at a federal government standpoint, 
in the fact that our federal government is who owns the patent on things like CBD. So how can we have a government that, you know, during the entire, you know, 90s uh, paid for and late latter part of the 80s paid for research all over the world? You know, I'm one of the only people on the planet who actually interviewed Dr. Mashulam in his laboratory in Israel. And I did that 12 years ago. I don't know if you know a lot about my background in this, but you know, I've been involved in cannabis now, not for the last five years, for the last 20 years. I got involved back in 2000 and literally helped to you know, either write or propose changes to or lobby for legislation in nine of the states that have passed cannabis, especially medical cannabis laws in this country. And so, you know, this has been way back before it was Vogue. I'm telling you back in 2001, I was up in the Golden Triangle looking for CBD products where most of America didn't even know that we had CBD, didn't even know what the word meant. And, you know, as we look at the, the process right now, you know, we have a lot of people who have gotten into this industry because it's a green rush, but they didn't take the time to educate themselves. And you're getting an education by fire. Oh, no, I, I, on the ground. I got the, I, I, I am being educated. I mean, literally dragged through the soil. Yes. I know the taste of it. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, green rush, there's no green rush here with the 280E. I mean, the margins for these dispensaries are ridiculous. People think that there's a real, you know, this is a, you know, the gold rush. Uh, not not until the federal laws change will that kind of thing happen. But I'm I'm doing great on Dow. You know why? Because this year I broke even. There you go, Jay. Broke even, Jay. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I think a lot of people need to understand. I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the hurdles you've had to face in just getting this business up and running? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, you know, having a famous name, nobody in Oregon, uh, then trust me, you know, come up from Hollywood and, you know, so I started just really slow. Uh, I didn't use my name on the products. I used Rogue's Lair on the products. Nobody knew it was mine. And then as those products became more desirable, I finally, and I did some press and I did some events and I kind of earned my way into Oregon. And now they, they actually embrace me to the point where they're giving me, you know, tips, really good growing tips. So now I feel as part of the community, but I, I had to earn it. They were, they're snots up there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They're cannabis snots. <laughs> the entire industry is, I bet, yeah. Yeah, right. right. Not, I mean, Steve D'Angelo, I saw him at the convention and I was dying to talk to him. I snuck up next to him, sat down next to him. And he turned, I go, hi, I'm Jim Belushi. He said, how are you? I said, I want to talk to you about, you know, maybe doing some uh, cannabis. He went, uh-huh. And he turned his head and I said, well, I have the Blues Brothers. I said, it's a, it's a real brand. It's a 40-year-old brand that represents music, mischievousness, and mission from God. And I said, I think this brand is not just a pretty box. It's a real brand that has some meaning. And, and I started talking about my brother John, and I started talking about me growing. And then he turned around and he went, okay, let's have lunch. Yeah. And, and uh, he has been a mentor for me because he sees that, 
I, I'm into the heart of it, man. I, I, I love what this plan has done for me. Absolutely. Let alone for the veterans and, his, and the, the, you know, you know all about it. No, you have you have a really good anecdotal story about going to one of your dispensaries and and running into a vet. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Uh, well, that was the change. That was the changeover for me. That was the shift because I was working really hard to make this business work and trying to. Anyway, I I go to I I do it. I want to learn everything, so I go to dispensaries. I deliver uh, the product. And I do like personal appearances and, and one place in the coast of Oregon, one dispensary, you know, I walk across the parking lot and there's a big line and I try to, you know, touch them or shake their hand, acknowledge them before I go in. Sure. And then the one veteran, the one guy came up, these stringy hair, blue eyes, beard, thin. And I, I shook his hand. He just stared right through me. And I, I said, are you all right, man? And he said, uh, he goes, uh, I was a medic in Iraq. And I saw things that happened to the human body that nobody should ever witness or see in their life. He said, I have PTSD. And they tell me I have triple PTSD, whatever that may mean. And they gave me a bottle, you know. 600 oxycontin you know, that's and he said i got off and he said but I, I have trouble talking to my wife my children and i can't sleep and he said your strain this one strain i have black diamond uh, og he said it's the only strain where i can talk to my family and i can sleep and he kind of teared up a little bit and he hugged me and i said man i didn't make this and he said, no, but you're a steward. I left that dispenser in the car with my cousin Chris, and I just said, just a chemical change about the purpose of this plant and what it does. And this gentleman changed my life. I mean, the number one fear in life is death. The number two fear in life is the collapse of family. Right. And the collapse of family comes from what? Death in the family, a, a severe disease, losing a job, losing a home, uh, a divorce is a huge one. Alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, I mean, and vets, you know, and, and policemen and firemen that did, were in 9-11 or in these tragic situations daily seeing what happens. I mean, there is so much trauma that is caused, that everybody needs medicine to quiet screaming. Absolutely. And a lot of people tune to cannabis not even knowing that they are really trying to resolve an underlying medical issue that they may not even admit to. It could be just anxiety. It could be just trying to relax at the end of the day. But, you know, the inability to relax or the inability to reset yourself is a medical issue. It's a medical issue. That. And unfortunately, people have been reaching for alcohol for years for that. Medicine. Correct. Now, I, I mean, I have a drink once in a while. I'm not, you know, but we all know the dangers of alcohol, what it does. Talk about collapsing families. 
uh, people on the highways and the addiction. But anyway, or they reach for Ambien, yes, uh, Xanax, uh, you know, over the counter, you know, PM pills that just ravish your body. This is all I'm trying to say, and I say it in the show is look, there's another choice to stop the screaming. Right. manage the screaming. I mean, these poor people on the street, you know, they're talking out, they're screaming. And it's like, if I could just get them an edible, maybe it would stop the screaming. So all I'm saying is there's another choice to stop the screaming to medicine besides all the other things that we have to choose from. Absolutely. Look, you know, I hit this mark where I've got to have to pay a couple of bills. So I'm going to take a little break real quick. You've been listening to Let's Be Blunt with Montel and today's guest is Mr. Jim Belushi. We'll be gone for two seconds and coming right back at you. So don't go away. Got more Mr. Jim Belushi. We'll be right back right after this. So, hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in today to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And we've been having an incredible conversation with the one and only icon from Hollywood, Mr. Jim Belushi. Thanks so much, Jim, for being here and being a part of the show. Icon, thank you. Well, you are an icon. So more, I mean, you know, more of an emoji, I think. <laughs> well, you've been throwing down and spitting some wisdom that I think a lot of people, you know, need to hear. And, you know, I think, you know, right before we took a break, you were talking about, you know, how cannabis helps to stop the screaming. And, you know, if I could just for one second, just go ahead and share with all our listeners, a lot of people don't understand that cannabis is as natural to the human being as it is to every mammal on this planet. We have something in our system that's called the endocannabinoid system, which is a system of of nerve receptors that were programmed by our genes to be receptors for cannabis. And also, we also produce our own cannabinoids inside of our body. They're called endocannabinoids, cannabinoids that we've been producing since the time we were born without ever, ever, ever having consumed any cannabis itself. And those cannabinoids that we, you know, produce are, are something called anandamide and something that's also called uh, 2-AG, which are two chemicals that literally science has now proven and is published in double-blinded or in, in peer-reviewed studies around the world that... You know, these chemicals produced inside of our body help to put ourselves in what we call homeostasis, which means that Goldilocks zone, you know. And so, you know, for us to actually function correctly and efficiently, we need to have cannabinoids in our body. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to consume heavy amounts of THC, but we have to understand that the plant itself offers us about 160 cannabinoids. We've only been really scratching the surface in the science that really needs to be developed out over the next, you know, couple of years. You were talking about how, you know, uh, important terpenes are to, you know, your products. And I got to tell you something, you know, I, I created some formulations when, you know, we were both with uh, Select with Cura for a while. And I, I produced some, some products that were had very specific terpene formulations added in so that they could help elicit even greater response from the other cannabinoids. And, you know, now, you know, I'm in the process of of getting ready to find a a new uh, product manufacturer to get my products back out of the marketplace. But I'm a real believer in the whole plant and understanding that all we have to do is just very little tweaks to, maybe the cannabinoid profile 
to elicit the responses that we'd like to be able to elicit. And, you know, I, I know very, you're working very, really hard. Very well put, my friend. Very well oh, put. Thank you, sir. That is, that is our journey is, is to find that. I mean, I've been woken up to the whole full spectrum, you know I mean? I've been getting RSO, which he does not like us to use that, but the RSO oil for people who are in severe pain with cancer, uh, chemo. The, the whole plant extract of the oil is, is such great medicine for people in severe situations. Uh, yeah, I'm learning about the this Captain Jack strain I have. Interesting that why it, it, it elicits a great feeling and a result. It's it's not a high THC again. Most land race strains aren't. I mean, I'm lucky if I get it up to 18 THC. Right. But what it has is about 5.2% of terpenes. Yes. Those terpenes break down to 72% of those terpenes is mercy. Mercy, man. Mercy. Mercy is great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but then there's lenalool and there's there's so many, you know, beta beta carotene. There's yeah, so many of these terpenes that we've already been investigating and studying for the last 20 years because we study terpenes through food preparation and we yeah. know the what terpenes have the ability to do in eliciting certain responses. And, uh, and unfortunately, some of those that are using just isolates, trying to isolate and say, but it's just a pure THC, don't understand that in the research that's already been done, we've proven that cannabinoids work in what they call an entourage effect yes. or an orchestra effect. You can't play Beethoven if you don't have any strings, okay? You can, you can play some music. It might sound like Beethoven, but it's not going to be Beethoven without strings. And yeah, so, that's why the distillate is, is yeah. just distillate. I mean, it's, it's what you put in, you know, it's those rare terpenes. The thing about mercy and I liked was I heard a story that mangoes have mercy, natural Correct. mercy. And if you smoke like a half a joint today, tomorrow, eat a mango, wait 45 minutes, and smoke the other half of the joint, it's almost three times the effect because the mercies thin the cellular wall of the brain and allow the CBD and the THC and the terpene to go through easier and it creates that entourage effect. Absolutely. That's where you get salt permeation. I mean, that, that's the reason why we want to go for you know, uh, the, the broadest spectrum of cannabinoids as we possibly can. I think yeah. now all of a sudden the industry is starting to catch up and starting to recognize that what we did, which was really good in researching and figuring out how to do isolates, but now we need to go back and put those isolates back yeah. together yeah. or instead of isolating. And, you know, like I was uh, and have been you know, very big on, you know, uh, creating oils, that are made from, you know, non-caustic solvents like using, you know, supercritical CO2 extraction or using cryoethanol extractions. But now I'm, I'm really becoming a really solid believer in the fact that we should be doing a little bit more non-solvent pressing and extracting that way so that you get all the fats, all the lipids, all the terpenes. Now, if you want to be able to go back and just tweak and add in additional terpenes, you can add in mercine into any oil that you have. You can add that right. in. You can add if it's if it's going to be an edible. I don't believe in adding 
any non-hemp or cannabis terpenes to anything no, yeah, smokable. They, some of them use a botanical, you know, some yes. of them have jars of fake terpenes. I went, no, 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 no. No, correct. Just want to stay with hemp. And what about in the hemp world? Are you are you uh, producing any hemp yourself? No, I stayed out of it. Um, I uh, I have a, a really good friend who grows in Portland, who supplies um, Charlotte's Web with their their plants, their oil, and uh, a really high caliber uh, oil. And I'm messing with him, and we're making some formulations for uh, a CBD dog treat. Yes. Uh, just because I had an older dog, couldn't get up the stairs. We, we make, made this mix and I gave it to him and I went, ah, it didn't work. Three days later, he's climbing the stairs. It's like, you know, there's no, uh, placebo effect on a dog. They either get better or they don't. And they, Correct. damn, that dog got up those stairs, man. Well, you know, I've, I had a very close friend of mine who, you know, uh, was dealing with a, a great Dane that had a tumor on its leg that uh, literally all the doctors and everybody was saying that dogs just got to get put down. But then they started the dog on not just CBD, but on cannabis and shrunk that tumor down to almost, you know, 90, 90% smaller than it originally was. And the dog ended up living for almost a full two years beyond what doctors even thought he was going to live just by changing the diet over to a cannabis. Well, wow, I wonder what, what, what was that combination? Because I'm, I'm scared about the THC with the dog. Is it a low THC value? Well, you, well, well, you want to be, you, you want to make sure you figure out how to microdose them on a slower basis. If you give them a large amount of THC the first time out, it'll scare a dog. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. So what you want to do is you want to make sure you microdose, especially since they're eating it, they're not going to be smoking it. So, you know, you could probably find, you know, a larger or a high, you know, something like a 1090 THC to CBD, right. and then gotcha. start increasing the amount of THC because right. that would be a pain reliever. And, you know, just like with adults, you know, as we get older, you know, we start to hurt. And dogs are the same way. They start to hurt. And, yeah. you know, uh, just like we want to go and take an Advil, well, we don't have an Advil for a dog. But, yeah. you know, that TAC could be a good Advil for your dog. Yeah. And, you know, as, you, as long as you titrate them slowly enough so they get used to what they are feeling, it wouldn't be a problem. Uh, okay, yeah, because uh, I was curious about the THC effect in the dogs. I heard, no, we'll never give THC to a dog. And I went, wow, that entourage effect. Of a little THC with that CBD is really, yeah, really works. And and also, you know, you can also make sure you have a formulation that includes THCA. We've now seen in recent months, there is some literature that's been reported now in peer-reviewed studies talking about the, you know, there's THCA, there's THCV, there's THC, and the THCA is the acid version, which we're now starting to learn has probably 20 times the anti-inflammatory response as some pharmaceuticals. People don't recognize that. THC is as, is as important to health as CBD. CBD yeah. has an anti-inflammatory uh, mechanism, but you know, uh, both of those together is probably more powerful than you know, your typical Advil. So you know, there's Absolutely. literature out there and we're starting to learn more and more, just like we're learning about the fact that it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, CBN, CBN is helping with sleep. sleep. You know, CBG, which we know is a is a is a what they a lot of people have referred to as the stem cell cannabinoid because we know that CBG turns into THC and CBD. 
as the plant grows through its flowering stages. So there's so much information that's out there that we need to start culling, getting together, and not only educating us, the growers and the providers and the formulators, but we need to start educating the masses. It's well, for- you know, I, I, again, this Growing Belushi, this show, I, I'm trying to do that in baby steps, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm literally breaking down, uh, you know, THC, CBD, terpenes. I do an edible pod where I explain about edibles and how they're made, how to dose them. I do a vape pen, how to draw on a vape pen, how much, you know, what full spectrum is. So I'm kind of teaching them, if you're going to go out there, please don't take somebody's brownie that they made at home. Go to safety, go to a a, a dealer, a legal dealer, you'll get the controlled dosage that you want. I'm a microdoser myself. I do 2.5 milligrams to go to sleep of an edible. You know, Steve D'Angelo just like scoffs at me. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, like, right. I don't know. I, well, I've been doing a long time, Jim. But, and I just take like one hit off a joint to get along with my wife, you know. Uh, it just, it's just microdosing to keep that management of the screaming down inside, you know. But, you Absolutely. know, it, 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 here's the problem I ran into. As you and I know, and most people probably listening, you know, there, there's a huge influence in terpenes. So I go to these dispensaries. And, I mean, I've been in all 50 of them, and I've been in them probably three or four times. And I talked, and I have my products lined up. And I had six strains, right? And this lovely couple come up and go, well, which one do you like? I said, well, I like the cherry pie because it's low in THC, but it's got 3% terpenes. And I call it the marriage counselor because it really kind of chills you out, makes you charming, and makes whatever your wife is saying very, very sweet. And he goes, well, what about this one? I said, oh, that's chocolate hashberry. That's a 28% THC. He said, how's that? I go, I don't smoke it. I'm too scared of it. Well, how about this one? I said, well, this one my veterans like, the black diamond. You know, it's a 23, but it also has good terpene values in it. But it's an indica, so it's a down body. You know, I go through the education of every strain. And I go, what would you like? Chocolate hash berry. Uh, the highest THC. It's like, you don't understand. It's like, that's like asking for a, a bottle of wine that has 50% alcohol. Wine yeah, that's for a bottle, a bottle of wine and getting Everclear. Yeah. But think about wine. Wine is filled with terpenes. Yes. And just 14%, 13% alcohol. The rest of it is all the terpenes, the flavors, the smells, and all the, you know, anyway. Well, a lot of people I don't just don't understand. know how fast the audience is going to come on to the, 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 the values. And they're still, still thinking high THC, that must be good. Well, you know, we, we did ourselves a disservice here in the United States of America, especially through the 60s and early 70s. We had growers up in you know, the Golden Triangle area up in Northern California, Oregon, and places like that, trying their best to grow everything out of the plant except for THC. So we were trying to push this level of THC up, 
and not even understanding why we're doing it. And most people don't get the fact that, yes, in fact, you could have a high number of THC, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make you higher. It may make you experience that euphoria for a longer period of time, and, but it may not make the intensity. paranoia, by the way, a little anxiety. Correct. And who wants to be, you know, I mean, I don't want to see, most people don't sit down in the evening and drink a glass of wine because they want to get an attitude. You know, they sit down and, and drink a glass of wine because they want to chill out. Well, that's yeah. the same reason why the same purpose for this. And as we look at this, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything about your age or mine, but brother, you know what I mean? It's we, the baby boomers who literally can, can uh, actually get the greatest effect and greatest experience out of cannabis than anybody on this planet, because, you know, at our ages, we're starting to, you know, we're not in the last quarter, but, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, to, to see the, the, I'm in the half, last quarter. I'm uh, in the last quarter. I'm, nah. I'm submitted to it. I'm submitted. Okay. So you, yeah, well, I'm getting close. So, I mean, if you're in the last quarter, I mean, in the last quarter, we don't want to, you know, uh, try to get out there and run, you know, trick plays every single play. We want to just relax and get through to the end of the game and make sure we get through as a winner. And you can get through if you take good care of yourself. And, you yeah. know, that's the reason why in Israel, you know, cannabis is considered a geriatric drug. At the age of 70, you get a prescription for it automatically if you want it. Wow. I love that. And a lot of people don't know that because what you, what you do is you allow the, uh, the older generation to literally get through that last quarter without having to take a million tons of pharmaceuticals. You know, because right. what we solve with cannabis, you know, normally takes three to four to five different medications to solve. Right, 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 right. I know, I, you know I, I spoke down in Florida. I actually did a show and, and, and they asked me a question and they got me triggered. Right. You know, and I started talking, you know, and it was in the villages. So it was kind of a baby boomer place of retirement. And I said, you know, I see you all here and I know what you do. I know exactly what you do. You get up in the morning, you wake up and you go and you have lunch and you have a little martini at lunch. I know that. And then after lunch, you go play golf and you have a little bit more to drink, maybe a couple of beers. And that comes down to dinner time. And then now at dinner time, you have another martini and then, oh, your wife's coming to the club. Oh, so now you're going to have a a bottle of wine, but then you're going to have a little Fernet Branca afterwards, maybe another little scotch. And then you're going to go home and you're going to pass out. Your wife is going to pass out. You're going to have a horrible night's sleep. You're going to wake up in the morning feeling like, whoa, what did I do? Oh, I had some Fernet Branca. Oh, that's why. Oh, I better have a beer right now. I said, here's this cycle. You're fighting the malaise of depression of getting older. And you think that the medicine of alcohol is going to make you feel better. I said, it's not. It's going to make you more depressed. Please try 2.5 milligrams of an edible and see how you feel. And by the way, you'll have a nice dinner with your wife. <laughs> correct. 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 So, uh, Jim, what do, you, what do you see, you know, uh, uh, the industry going over the course of the next year? Especially, we got to get out of this COVID thing and stop just delivering. But, I um, mean, you know, what do you see the industry going? What do you want for the industry in the next year? Well, I think we're, I think we're almost ready for the banking thing to happen. Uh, I, I, I'm a little nervous because it, just like what I've done on the farm, it took me four or five years to do all the lateral work of understanding cannabis and what it does and now the purpose and how to move it forward. 
and everybody that's in this industry are pretty well educated at that point. So once that banking thing drops and, and regular banks can take cannabis money, it's going to open up our business, and I think it's going to boom. And I think all the states will go legal, and they're going to cross lines because once there's big money being made, taxes being paid, and especially during these times where you need taxes, I think it. it I think it's going to move into a big legal, legal place soon. I think sooner than later. But I also think that you know this upcoming election should help us get. And, you know, it depends on who gets elected. And that all depends on who shows up at the polls, man. I got to tell you, this is going to be a really trying time in America, I think, come November, December, because, you know, uh, there's one party that's not going to let it go. They're going to claim victory even when they don't even know if they have victory. And they're going to claim it's rigged because, you know, you got to count for mail-in ballots. And they're going to come post 9 o'clock in the morning or, or 12 o'clock in the daytime. So people are going to be ticked and say that, it was stolen, but, you know, hopefully the fact that the 37 states that allow for some sort of medical or adult use cannabis right now, almost all of them unanimously, unanimously declared this as an essential business, yes. which I thought was really unbelievable, you know, in a time when, you know, most people were trying to figure out the other 17 states are trying to figure out how much they can vilify it. The fact that it was declared an essential business is an important thing. Yeah, it was moving to me that they did that because especially now with the isolation, the creeping of the depression and anxiety and this medicine can really take that edge off during this holdout, you know, this hold down. Well, you know, and I've also heard that, I don't know, have you seen your numbers go up during this yeah. hold down? Because people seem to be shifting over to cannabis. Yeah, it's gone up for sure. Absolutely. You know, you 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 explain some some really, you know, just uh, I, 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 my heart goes out to you in having had to deal with, you know, your brother's death. And you explain that you think that, uh, you know, some of his issues were, really because of traumatic brain injury, right? Oh, totally. I mean, uh, he, he, was just, he was just a superstar, this guy, all around, whatever he did. And he was a uh, middle linebacker in high school. He was like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, tough little plug. He was all-state, all-conference. He had the most tackles in high school. And, you know, back then it was like uh, you got a concussion and the Coaches go, what's the matter, Belushi? You got your belt wrong? Get in there. Yes. yes. And this guy, this guy, my brother John, man, seizured in front of me in our home senior year. They had spinal taps, x-ray. Nobody could figure it out. He was straight as an arrow in, in high school. And then when he went to college, I think when, when he smoked his first joint, he found his medicine. But at that time, it was Grouped in with LSD and, you know, cocaine or what? It was all one drug. This is not a drug. This is some medicine. That stuff it has medical pro uh, properties, too. I mean, we can go into the whole, you know, mushroom world. But the point is, I think he just went in fully, and his behaviors were very similar to the behaviors that you read about that are, you know, with CTE. So I really believe that that pressure 
and also the cultural pressure of that time, the 70s and 80s. And I mean, also Saturday Night Live, you know, they were leading our generation with who we were, what we were, and where we were going. So, and John had to be right up there at the front. <laughs> right, right, right. But you had said something about the fact that you think that if he had stayed on cannabis, he probably would be alive today, right? Oh, well, Danny said it to me. Mm-hmm. Danny Aykroyd said, uh, you know, Jimmy, if Johnny was a pothead, he'd be alive today. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, i got to tell you something. I've seen a lot of, I, I speak to a lot of NFL players, former NFL players. I've spoken to a lot of soldiers, and, and I, I don't know if you know my military background, but you know, I do a show right now, it's called Military Makeover, where we take reserving veterans and we remake their homes from the ground up and give them a forever home. And so I'm in there dealing with and talking to directly, dealing with some of our veterans who have suffered some of the most severe PTSD you can think oh, of. And, you know, in yeah, a lot I of ways, imagine. but now imagine this, hey, we, we got 37 states that allow them to medicate with cannabis and another, you know, 13 that don't. So if you don't live in the 13 states, you're shit out of luck, right? Right, right. Which is All crazy. Right. Well, let me ask you, what, what would you like to see? Do you, do, you, do you think of anything that you'd love to see other than the banking change in the industry over the next couple of years? Uh, within the industry, um, well, I'd like the state lines to go down. I think that California and Oregon, Washington, but California and Oregon, especially, you know, from like Napa to the middle of Oregon, that that parallel is like the greatest growing parallel. I mean, that parallel goes across Illinois, Indiana, all the way to Burgundy and Bordeaux. I mean, God just slipped his finger along that parallel on day seven when he was looking for a Coke. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so if those borders come down, I think it'll be great, you know, being Oregon guy, California guy, it'd be great business to have some of the greatest cannabis grown come from that area. Because we know illegally 85% of the marijuana that was being smoked across the country came from California. So... Correct. May as well supply really good stuff, you know, with good commerce and, you know, opening up those national lines. But that's a ways off. Absolutely. That's going to be a ways off. Well, what's next for Jim Belushi? What's going to happen next? What, what, what's in the near near or distant future? You got any movies planned? Well, I'm fortunate that I shot this television show pre-COVID. And it's like the, one of the only new shows on TV. I mean, I got a funny text from a friend the other day. It said, well, I'm finished with Netflix. What else is there? <laughs> and I said, well, I got a new show called Growing Belushi and Discovery, 10 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm, you know, even Leonardo DiCaprio ain't working right now. So as far as the film and television industry, I feel like I'm still in television with this new show. And we're hoping for a good pickup and we can start to explore. I'm going to want to be the Charles Kuralt of cannabis. I want to go, go to Israel. I want to go to South America. I want to go to, you know, to Toronto. I want to go to Jamaica. We, in this episode that we're seeing this week, my cousin and I go to Colombia and looking for the, the Santa Mata gold and the Punta Rojos. And Adele, I went down there, hired some camera guys, and we improvised for nine days. I mean... I saw Steve D'Angelo down there. There was a big smoke out with 150,000 people on the street. And it's just a very special show. So for me, yeah, movies, 
Yeah, I mean, I've done everything. I mean, I've done drama, comedy. I've killed people. I've been killed a lot, which is really kind of fun. <laughs> I, I've done Broadway. I've done musicals. I've, I've done sitcoms. I've, done, I, I've worked with Oliver Stone, Roman Polanski, Michael Mann, David Lynch. I mean, I've had a really wonderful full career. But this show and this place I'm in right now feels like what's next for me. Absolutely. Well, I can't say thank you enough, sir, for being a part of today's Let's Be Blunt with Montel. You know, you got a home here anytime you want it. Whenever you want to come back and talk about anything that you're doing, we'd love to have you back here. I want to come back and I want to talk to you about your internet provider. Absolutely. I need that. <laughs> I got to tell you something. You know, this was very funny. I'm talking to you. I live in a, in a, in a 30 story building up on my floor, the 21st floor. The internet's not working. I'm right now down on the mezzanine level in the lobby using their internet and it's working. I'm going to tell you, you got a whole episode just on that. I know for sure. No <laughs> itch has a butts, man. We're going to take the camera and follow that guy and follow that Wi-Fi. And where is the tree? And how, can we <laughs> how do we make it better? Thank you so much, sir, for being yes, here and being a part of, today. Instead of a blunt, we're going to call it uh, the internet. But, but, uh, there you go. Well, look, if I get out, if I get out to Oregon, if, we, if things slow down and I can get out to Oregon, I definitely want to come by the farm and take a look. Oh, I would be honored, man. And by the way, it would be great if we're filming a second season. It would be great for you to come while we're doing that. Oh, absolutely. Let me know when that happens. And if that happens, I'd love to be able to come help you drop some science. I'd love that. Thank you. Okay, my friend, you'd be well. And you've been listening today to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Our guest has been the one and only Mr. Jim Belushi. Thank you so much, sir, for being here. And thank you guys what? for tuning in. Make sure you tune in to the next one. Yes, sir. Icon or emoji? Uh, I like icon. <laughs> we ought to make an emoji out of you, for sure. All right, my brother. Be well. Uh,